Welcome to Hebraic Insights in the Gospels. Join us every Sabbath on Zion Road Radio for a look at the life, deeds, and words of Yeshua Messiah and his followers. From the Torah-centric Hebraic perspective, they were originally lived and written in. Today's program is on Matthew chapter 11. Was John lacking in faith because he sent and asked Yeshua to confirm whether he was the Messiah? Or is there a deeper meaning to be found in this interaction between two mission-driven, kingdom-centric men? If so, what can this interaction tell us about how Yahweh thinks when it comes to your place in his kingdom? In his eyes, what will determine whether you're actually being whoever he calls you to be in his kingdom? Can you enter into that calling by merely your own willpower, works, and knowledge, or do you need a relationship with the Father to truly enter in and walk with him as a disciple who's doing his will instead of just doing your own thing? If a relationship with the Father is needed, then what does it take to enter into that? How can you get to know God? Is reading enough scripture all there is to it? Why won't people enter in when God presents them with the opportunity? And how can we avoid treating him like that ourselves? Stay tuned through the end of this program for answers to these questions and more in Matthew chapter 11 from Eliyahu ben David. And now, here's today's first scripture portion. Matthew chapter 11, verses 1 through verse 15. It happened that when Yeshua had finished directing his twelve disciples, he departed from there to teach and proclaim in their cities. Now when John heard in the prison the works of Messiah, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, Are you he who comes, or should we look for another? Yeshua answered them, Go. And tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. Blessed is he who finds no occasion for stumbling in me. As these went their way, Yeshua began to say to the multitudes concerning John, What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But why did you go out? To see a prophet? Yes, I tell you, and much more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Most certainly, I tell you, among those who are born of women, there is not arisen anyone greater than John the Immerser. Yet he who is least in the kingdom of heaven 
is greater than he. From the days of John the Immerser until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets in the Torah prophesied until John, if you are willing to receive it, this is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And now, here's Eliyahu ben David with some insight on those verses. Ask for the ancient parts. Ask where the good way is And walk in it And you'll find a rest for your soul Greetings, friends. Tonight we're delving into Matthew chapter 11. Our theme is in the kingdom, what you do is who you are. Things are moving along. The narrative now is moving along past the instructions to the twelve. And uh, we're going to go on and see what has happened next. And I want to kind of zero in on this theme. In the kingdom, what you do is who you are. And what I try to do with this material is I try to bring out a different perspective from it that might be a secondary perspective that's not going to be in the regular presentation. And that's kind of what this is. And this is sort of another aspect of this material that I think is kind of important to look at. In Matthew 11, 2 through 6, John is in prison, and it says, while he's in prison, he hears the works of Messiah. And then he sends his disciples to Messiah to basically say, are you the Messiah? And I'm not so sure this means that John did not have faith. Because that is what you find a lot in a lot of the commentaries. They say that John was doubting. And this shows that he didn't have faith. But I think if you just look closer at what it says, it's when he hears of the works of Messiah. And it doesn't say when he hears of the works of Yeshua. It says when he hears of the works of Messiah. Now just imagine that you were a Yohanan. You've done this ministry to call the nation to repentance. You've identified the Messiah. You've immersed him and essentially sent him out into his ministry. And it's not too long after that, you find yourself in a prison cell. Do you think that Yohanan knew that the end was near for him? I think he did. And I think perhaps if that were me sitting in that prison cell and I had 
heard rumors of these amazing things the Messiah had done, that perhaps knowing that I was not going to get the chance to go and see that in person, that I was not going to get the chance to go and be a part of that any further, I might want to get a final report as to what Messiah was actually doing out there. I might want to send some eyewitnesses out there in order to get that report for me to strengthen me before the end comes. I think that's what was happening. And Yeshua's answer is so good because I think that's kind of the way he took it. He didn't say, well, John knows I'm the Messiah. He didn't even say he's the Messiah. Instead, he said, tell John the things you see and hear. And then he lists off a number of things that the prophet said the Messiah would do. And he basically said, I'm doing these things that the Scriptures say the Messiah would do. Plus, he throws in one that the Scriptures don't say the Messiah would do at that juncture, raising the dead. So, in a way, he's saying, I'm even doing more than what the Scriptures require to be the Messiah. But he never says he's the Messiah. He just says, I'm doing it. I'm actually doing it. I'm actually doing the things the Scriptures say that the Messiah would do. That's the part of this that I wanted to emphasize. That instead of saying, I'm the Messiah, I'm this or that, he pointed to what he was actually doing. Because he saw that's what identified him as who he was. That was the evidence of who he was. And no doubt, those are the things that would encourage Yohanan. This other statement's interesting that goes with this. He says, blessed is he who finds no occasion for stumbling in me. And that's because Yeshua was doing the things the Messiah was supposed to do. But human nature being what it is, people stumble over things. People find character flaws or what to them appear to be character flaws. Things that offend them. And those kinds of things sometimes can prevent a person from seeing the reality. So Messiah is saying, well, I'm actually doing these things. So if you don't stumble over one of these other things, you're going to be blessed through your faith. Well, we can see this principle then with Messiah that what you do is who you are. And what about John? Don't we see that again? Yeshua said, this is he of whom it is written, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. Well, Malachi said that this is what Elijah would do, is prepare the way for Messiah. Did John do that? He did that. That's what Messiah is saying. So what you do is who you are. The fact that 
John Yohanan did that and actually did prepare the way for Messiah tells us who he is. So, John was what he did. Here we have this other verse. It's Matthew eleven twelve. From the days of John the Immerser until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. There's more than one way of looking at this verse. The way it's translated gives you the impression that violent people are taking the kingdom. Nobody can take the kingdom. No violent person, no evil person is going to be able to take the kingdom out of the hands of Messiah. So really, that can't be what it's talking about. This word, blazo, means to use force. It's force. It can be violence, but it's force. And according to the NASB, this word suffers can mean is entered by. So we could translate this this way. From the days of John the Immerser until now, the kingdom of heaven is entered by force. The forceful seize it by force. The forceful. Well, what does that mean? How many people did Yohanan preach to? The evidence is virtually the entire nation. How many of those people entered into his message? A relatively few compared to the whole nation. What about Yeshua? preaching the good news of the kingdom, how many people heard him and saw the things he did? Multitudes. Yet, out of that group, how many seized the kingdom? Relative few, right? The kingdom, as he himself said in other places, is a treasure. But not everybody sees it for what it is. Not everybody understands that there's an opportunity there when they see the kingdom. You know, a lot of folks, they want what they see as the rewards of the kingdom. But they might not understand that what you do is who you are in the kingdom. So, seizing the kingdom violently, this is telling us about someone who is going after it, seizing it, seizing their place in the kingdom. Lackluster people, mediocre disciples who are neither hot or cold, how likely are they to seize their place in the kingdom? It takes an exertion of one's whole self to seize your place in the kingdom. And in the end, what you do is who you are in the kingdom. That will be true of all of us. 
So what we recommend here is to forcefully seize the kingdom. So just thinking about this, what you do is who you are. You know, when we talk about Elijah, there's always been a lot of talk about the Elijah to come. Some people think that John was the Elijah to come and that was the end of it. Some people think there is an Elijah to come in the last days before the great and terrible day of the Lord. As a matter of fact, there's been a lot of people who have said they were Elijah, who people believed they were Elijah. Examples would be Armstrong of the Worldwide Church of God. He was believed to be the Elijah to come. The early Jehovah's Witnesses believed Charles Taze Russell was the Elijah to come. In the Messianic world, even right now, there are numerous people who believe they are the Elijah to come. You can find that in different places. What about that? You know, some of these folks act as if you should just think they're the Elijah to come. You just should know that. But should anyone believe something where there's no evidence and no witness of the Spirit, there's just somebody's word? Nobody has a right to expect that, and yet you see people that are like that. We had a brother who was involved in our ministry at one time, and some folks started suggesting to him that he was one of the two witnesses of Revelation chapter 11. And he was hoping that I would lay hands on him and anoint him to that ministry. Well, could he have been one of the two witnesses? What you do is who you are. If time went by and he did the work of one of the two witnesses, he'd be one of them. However, we're not there yet. There's no evidence that he could present. He couldn't say, well, I'm doing this, 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 and this, like Yeshua did. So what he was expecting to be received as one of these two witnesses, it's impossible to do because there's no evidence and no witness of the Spirit to it. And unfortunately, now he's passed on, which is clear evidence that he was mistaken and that those that thought that about him were mistaken. As a matter of fact, there's been many people that have thought they were one of the two witnesses or Elijah or somebody else who have come and gone through history. So what does that mean for all of us? Well, I think it means there are opportunities in the kingdom. Opportunities to have a real share in what 
Messiah is doing in these last days, and these opportunities are going to increase. But as to saying, well, I'm this, I'm that, I'm the other thing, it's evidence that we need to look for. It's the witness of the Spirit. And nobody should ever be required to profess belief in something where they don't have adequate evidence, where they don't have a witness of the Spirit. Because what you do is who you are. So what I would just encourage everyone is to press on. Forcefully seize the kingdom. Seize your place in the kingdom. Who you are in the kingdom will be determined by what you do. Don't go away. Hebraic Insights in the Gospels will be right back after this. Enjoying this episode of Hebraic Insights in the Gospels? Want to hear more teachings from Eliyahu Ben David? Tune in to our 24-7 internet radio station, Zion Road Messianic Radio. You can catch the latest episodes of Hebraic Insights in the Gospels before they're released as a podcast, learn more about what Zion Ministry teaches from our other programs, and listen to a host of uplifting songs from our independent Messianic music artists. To tune in to our station, go to zion.org. That's T-S-I-Y-O-N dot O-R-G. Or search for Zion Road Messianic Radio. Again, that's Zion spelled T-S-I-Y-O-N in your favorite internet radio app or station directory. Don't miss the latest episodes. Go to tsiyon.org and check the station schedule to see what's playing. Welcome back. Here's more from Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, verse 16 through verse 30. Yeshua is speaking and he says, But to what shall I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces who call to their companions and say, We played the flute for you and you didn't dance. We mourned for you and you didn't lament. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a gluttonous man and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is justified by her children. Then he began to denounce the cities in which most of his mighty works had been done, because they didn't repent. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works had been done in Tyre and Sidon, which were done in you, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. You, Capernaum! 
who are exalted to heaven. You will go down to Sheol. For if the mighty works had been done in Sodom, which were done in you, it would have remained until this day. But I tell you that it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. At that time Yeshua answered, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you hid these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for so it was well-pleasing in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, neither does anyone know the Father except the Son, and he to whom the Son desires to reveal him. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavily burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And now, here's Eliyahu ben David with some insight on those verses. Ask for the ancient parts Ask where the good way is And walk in it And you'll find a rest for your souls You'll find a rest for your souls Oh, and you'll find a rest for your souls Hello, friends. We're very happy to have you with us as we continue on in Matthew chapter 11. Our theme tonight is rest in Him. You know, it's a hectic, troubled world, and we need a place of rest. Really, that can only be found in the Son of God, Yeshua Messiah. He had some things to say about that in Matthew 11, along with some other things that we all need to hear. So we're going to be getting into this tonight. I just want to bring out a few points from this material that I especially found meaningful. You ever seen this? Here's a man and his wife. They're probably at a wedding or something like that. People are dancing. Look at her. She's all dressed to kill, right? And they're at the party. She'd like to be out there in the dance floor, too. She'd like to be dancing with her husband, like some of the other wives are. And he doesn't like to dance. Music's playing. Wife all dressed up pretty. Wants to dance. No, I won't dance. I hope I'm not stepping on anybody's toes with this little example. But really, couldn't this guy think of how his wife feels instead of how he feels? Couldn't he maybe go out on the dance floor with her, put his hand around her waist, and just move around a little bit? even if he's not a good dancer. But no, everything's right to dance, 
but he won't dance. It's kind of like you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink, right? These kinds of situations can be very disconcerting. Where you've done everything you can to try and lead a person to the right thing, the good thing, the best thing for that situation, they just won't do it. They just won't do it. I kind of think this is what Yeshua was getting at when he used this example. We played the flute for you, and you didn't dance. You just wouldn't enter in. You fully had the opportunity, but you wouldn't enter in. What more can be done for you? Nothing. And it's really too bad. Because, like with this guy, you know, after this is all over, the ride home could be happy. could be about how much fun we had together. It could build up the relationship together. But instead, inside, she's feeling, oh, you didn't even care about me enough to even have a dance with me. You know, that's just stupid. Then the other thing I wanted to take a look at is this verse. No one knows the Father except the Son, and he to whom the Son desires to reveal him. That's an amazing statement, don't you think? You know, you can study the Torah all your life, and without Yeshua Messiah, you will not know God from studying the Torah. Did you know that it's actually a tenet of rabbinical Judaism? That God cannot be known? That he's inscrutable? That it's impossible? for human beings to know him? They're right, by the way. That's how it is for them. They're telling you how it is for them. Why would you follow them if you want to know him? On the other hand, we have the Son of God, Yeshua Messiah, he says, no one knows the Father except the Son. Dwelling together in eternity, in perfect fellowship together. Yes, the Son knows the Father. And he to whom the Son desires to reveal him. So after you've done all your study in the Torah, you've done everything you can to reach out to God, even to obey God, you still don't know him. I had this experience in my life. I did this, and it made me crazy. <laughs> I just couldn't stand it anymore. Doing all this religious stuff, but not connecting up. And it was once I encountered him, once I decided... Yes, I will lay it all down and enter into that relationship with him. That is how 
I get connected up with the Father. I guess you could say that's when I decided to dance. Right? Stop saying no, 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 and I said yes. Stop doing what I wanted to do. Stop going my own way. Stop doing what seemed logical to me. And entered in. You know, we have a lot of folks that come to our ministry. Many, many folks. And we're glad they all do. All of them. They all have an opportunity to hear the things that we have to share from His Word. But of all these people that come our way, we don't get many dancers. You know, most of them, they will go just so far, but everything's there. <laughs> they can enter in and they can do it, but they just don't. I think that's what Messiah was talking about, you know, when he talked about these cities where he'd done all these things, and they just were nonplussed by it, you know? And it didn't change them. They didn't change their lives. We get it. And I think probably every ministry has this experience so that we know what this feels like. And you know, it's kind of frustrating when you care about people. You want to see them enter into the fullness of what's available. You want to see them enter into the kingdom. But for some reason, you know, when they get right there, right on the edge of the dance floor, they just won't step out. I think in these verses, in Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30, Messiah is actually trying to encourage those people. He's saying, step out here. Take that step. Get up out of that chair. Come to me. All you who labor and are heavily burdened, and I will give you rest. Why won't that guy dance with his wife? I bet it is the burdens in his life. I bet instead of being able to enter into the time they're having together, he's thinking about the bills. Maybe he's thinking about the car he's restoring in his garage or something else. He won't rest from all of that and enter in to the moment. Take my yoke upon you. It strikes me that entering into a yoke with someone is a lot like dancing with somebody, isn't it? You know, I remember my first experiences with dancing. I was in school when I was a kid, and they made us do this in physical education. And all the kids were nervous about it. I can't remember exactly how old I was. I'm thinking maybe 9 or 10 years old, something like that. And felt very awkward. And you actually had to dance with a girl. 
And that felt really weird. And none of the boys wanted to do this. And just the whole thing was kind of a strain, right, on everybody. And the girls were frustrated because they wanted to dance, but the boys didn't. The whole thing was kind of frustrating. But, you know, fast forward just a few years to high school, and what happened is the guys that were willing to dance, the girls liked them. But the guys that wouldn't just kind of ended up being wallflowers, right? Some of these guys sort of learned that you have to care about what the other person cares about if you're going to enter in and if you're going to develop a relationship. All of that is to say that we need to do the same thing with Yeshua Messiah. You know, we all have our idiosyncrasies, right? We can all come up with reasons and excuses why we're not going to enter into that walk with Messiah. It's so much easier if we could just say some kind of prayer or something and be saved and not have to think about, oh, I guess some people do that. You know, that's not discipleship. These verses are about discipleship, entering into a yoke that's coming in together with Yeshua Messiah. Yes, it does involve the covenant, but not you taking on the covenant. It's you and him taking on that covenant together. It's kind of a dance through your life. It means that you have to let go of some things to enter into that. And really, if what we're talking about here is rest for our soul, you can't do it without entering into the yoke. You see, this does involve moving forward and doing the will of Yahweh in your life, but along with Messiah. And when you rest from your own way and you want his way, that's where you find that rest and peace from Messiah in your life. So it's not like doing nothing. Entering into a yoke is doing something, isn't it? But his yoke is easy, and his burden is light. It does involve a certain amount of discipline in your life. To enter into a yoke, you can't just keep flitting around doing what you want to do. It does involve being a disciple and doing what he wants to do. That is the yoke. But when you let go and you enter into his yoke and you move with him, that's where you find that rest. And since he alone knows the Father, that's where you find that root to being connected up with the Father and really being connected up with everything from that place. So there's a lot in Matthew chapter 11, and I hope that 
you're all edified and encouraged by this material. You have been listening to Hebraic Insights in the Gospels. Further teachings and study materials on various related topics and others can be found at our membership site, Zion Tabernacle. Sign up is free. Just go to zion.net. That's T-S-I-Y-O-N dot N-E-T. Or click the membership link on the Zion Road website. New programs on the Gospels will be airing every Sabbath on Zion Road Radio. Join us next Shabbat to learn more in the book of Matthew. Shabbat Shalom!